0: Well, maybe you're thinking right now, did, did we sing enough? I mean, didn't we cut a song? Yes, we cut a song because in the second service, we have to have all of our graduation stuff. And so you got snookered out of a song too. Now well, we got to do something else with that time this sermon. I guess I'll just have to preach some more. <laughs> we'll see what happens here. Hey, uh, we're wrapping up our pre-decide series today. I hope it's been helpful to you today. We're going to pre to live in the power of consistency if you look you'll see the power of consistency in almost every area of life it's not an athlete with the most natural ability that is the greatest it's the athlete who combines natural ability with consistently training for hours days years a lifetime God planned it that way. It's not the musician with the most natural ability that is the greatest musician. It's the musician with natural ability who consistently practices for hours, days, years, a lifetime. God made it that way. It's not the couple who loves each other the most that has the most satisfying marriage. It's the couple who loves each other and consistently treats each other the way Jesus asked them to for hours, days, years, a lifetime. God made it that way. It's not the world's greatest theologian is not the one who loves God the most, but the one who out of his love for God consistently studies for hours, days, years, a lifetime. God made it that way. Uh, the biggest book in my study, if you pull it off the shelf, it's about this big. It's called Strong's Concordance. And it was written by a guy named Dr. Strong who years ago, decades ago, centuries ago, for, for, spent his whole lifetime going through the Bible, putting out, pulling out every word, putting them in alphabetical order and the times they are used, I mean, you think about this, every word in the Bible where you can open up a book and say, oh, here it is, it's used this many times, where is that word? And you look it up and you go, oh, it's in John 4. I mean, the guy spent his entire life, that's all he did. Wasn't particularly a big church guy, didn't go to church that much, wasn't married, didn't have any kids, spent his entire life taking every word in the Bible and putting them in order how many times it's used. Not only that, but he also, in the Old Testament, assigned a Hebrew definition with a number for every word. So in Strong's Concordance, this giant book, plop it open, here's a word, oh, here's the number. I go to the back of the book and there's a number that gives me the Hebrew definition or the Greek definition of that word. So here's a guy who spent his entire life Putting every word in the Bible in order, how many times it's used, and assigned every word with a Greek or Hebrew definition. Wow. Wasn't a real personable guy. Not a whole lot of people knew he was doing it. But it's probably been the most consistent help to people in ministry since he did it. If you get the most, if you're in ministry, and you get the most sophisticated Bible software, it's still going to have a Strong's number assigned in it. I mean, think about that. The guy spent his whole life doing it. There's power in consistency. Here's a great life principle. Successful people pre-decide to do consistently what other people do occasionally so what are the things we can pre-decide to do so that the power of consistency takes root in my relationship with God and root in the way I treat other people here's the first thing write this down the power of consistency works in my life when I pre-decide God will be first I mean, it, seems like, it sounds like such a simple thing. This is a huge deal. Man, I'm going to pre You know what? Man, in, in my personal life, God's going to be first. In my marriage, God's going to be first. With my money, God's going to be first. No matter what area of life it is, you know what? I'm pre God's going to be first. Mark 12 says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the is the one and only lord and you must love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind all your strength the second is uh, equally important love your neighbor as yourself no other commandment is greater than these now well, let's be honest we we live in a world where god is not only put first god's not even on the radar and I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He said, the danger when people stop believing in God is not that they will believe nothing, but they will believe anything. I mean, boy, that's the world we live in, isn't it? I mean, people will believe anything and go to the mat for it, man. So predeciding God is first, now listen to me, and consistently actually living that way Because a lot of people say, man, Jesus is first in my life, Jesus is first in my life. I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but Jesus is first in my life, but when you examine their life, Jesus ain't nowhere around. Right? What's that old saying? Talk's cheap, doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, that's right, man. So pre that God is first and consistently actually living that way, it will benefit my life in four primary ways, spiritually, relationally, financially, personally. So having God first consistently in my life and actually living that way just benefits me spiritually. Keeping God first benefits me. You know how how it does that? It just makes me spiritually strong. What is it that makes me spiritually strong? One, consistently spending time in God's Word. So I say it to you all the time, Let me say it again, when you every day, put it in, 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 after a while it starts oozing out and you begin to see the world through the pages of the Bible. That's what we call living with a biblical worldview. And we consistently do that man, that's going to really contribute to our spiritual strength. Also, consistently spending uh, time in prayer. I mean, it's such a simple thing, right? But it's just impossible to have a personal relationship with somebody you don't talk to. And it's not just, you know, God, do this, God, do that. God, I'm hurting. Can I tell you how I feel? God, I'm confused. I, I don't know what to do about this. Would, would you show me? God, I love my spouse so much and they have cancer. God, we need your help. I mean, I mean prayer is a big deal. So when we consistently put it in, God's word, consistently. Get on our knees in prayer. Here's another thing. When we consistently walk in the Spirit, so Galatians 5:16 says, walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the desire of the flesh. I mean, that is a big deal. But here's the truth. Every time I say, hey, guys, one of the biggest things you can do in life as a believer, you got to learn to walk in the Spirit. You look at me like, I know. I, I have no idea what that means or how to do that. It just sounds kind of fuzzy. And it sounds like something really spiritual, you know, where you go, yeah, I want to walk in the Spirit, man. Uh, what is that? I mean, it's just so fuzzy about what that means on Tuesday, right? I mean, does that mean, you know, you're, you're walking around and, oh, I'm walking in the Spirit now. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. You, you know, um... When we put it in in the Word on our knees, after a while, there's this powerful spiritual dynamic that takes place. We start walking in the Spirit. We we start hearing God's voice. Now now you're going, oh, now you're really, I mean, I don't know, I hear what? I mean, what are you talking about, man? I mean, does that mean you hear an audible voice? No. It's a lot louder than that. John 10, 27. Here's what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's what it is. So you're going through life. It's not, oh, walking in the Spirit. No, it's you're going through life, and you go, hmm, that that looks good. Give me a little of that. And the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus says, don't. Because if you do, you're going to reap what you sow. Just don't. Don't. Trust me right now okay. You know what you did? You just walked in the spirit. When you're, oh man, look at that new car. I want that new car. I know money's tight. And you're getting ready to sign the paper and the Holy Spirit's going, no, 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 no. And you do it anyway. You didn't walk in the spirit. You weren't paying attention. And then finances are tough for the next five years. There's this thing when we put it in, put it in, put it in, when we're talking to God. God uses those things and brings them to mind at just the right time. So when everything in you wants to unload on somebody, When you're walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit comes out, and instead of letting them have it, you give them love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. You're, You're listening to God so you don't do stupid things. And you do get empowered not to just not do stupid things, but to do really important things. Things that are not intuitive to you. Things you wouldn't think of otherwise. So you're pumping gas and you start talking to the guy next to you and the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, you need to... Hey, man, uh, you okay? Yeah, yeah. Can I pray for you about something today? Doesn't always happen this way, but it's happened to me many times. They just start crying. Man, you can't believe what's going on in my life. So instead of pumping gas, you end up doing a little ministry there. You know, you know what that is? Walking in the Spirit. It's not something weird, it's just letting God guide your life. So, pre deciding God is first and living that way, huh, man, I'm telling you, there's power and consistency pre God is first and living that way not only benefits me spiritually, it also benefits me relationally. You see, when God is first and we're strong spiritually, you know what happens? That starts, this thing between me and God starts spilling out on the relationships all around me. Then we start treating people around us and reacting to people around us the way the Bible says to do that. Man, this, uh, th- this past week, just putting it in, putting it in, putting it in, just doing my daily Bible reading. Um, I'm reading through Proverbs right now. And I got to the chapter 14, 15, 16, some of 17. And there are all these uh, antithetical statements. You know, the wise do this, the stupid do this. It doesn't say stupid, that's my translation. You know, the wise do this, the, you know, the foolish do this. Um, people honor God, this will happen. People who turn their back on God, so you have all these antithetical statements, and they really don't seem to be connected, they're just, but they're so powerful, man. And, um, and I'm reading, and I'm going, whoa, look at that. There's so many relational things there that God wants us to know. I'll just pull out a few of them here. Actually, you know what I did? I pulled out all of them, put them on one sheet of paper, saved it in a file because I want to be able to hand them to people. Hey, here, man, you have trouble relating to people? Here, here. You catch yourself being angry and people don't like it? Here, here, this will help you. Um, so let me just give you a few of them. Proverbs 14, 29. A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered person uh, but a qu- qu- quick tempered one promotes foolishness okay (laughs) i mean right how many times has your temper boom like that and you say i have a short fuse you also have a small mind when you do that man i mean you 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 act like i don't have any control over that yes you do a patient person shows great understanding so when you don't just lose your mind you know what you're going to do you're going to understand life a whole lot better. You're going to understand yourself a whole lot better. You're going to understand other people a whole lot better. Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. It's so good, isn't it? I mean, the mouth of the wise makes wisdom attractive, makes understanding attractive, makes. And people go, ooh, that's attractive. And they start leaning in. They want not hear what you have to say. That is whoa. That's hopeful. But a fool just blah, whatever comes to my mind comes out my mouth. Oh, a fool does that. How about this? Proverbs fifteen thirty. Bright eyes cheer the heart. Good news strengthens the bones. Well, that is great. Isn't it? I mean, so just ask yourself a question. When people look at me, what do they see? They see bright eyes. Man, God is good. Or do they just see somebody who acts like God doesn't even exist? Mm. Proverbs 16, 32. Patience is better than power. Boy, talk about something that's counter to our culture. Whoa. Patience is better than power and controlling one's temper than capturing a city. Well, those are great things, aren't they? So, predeciding God is first, and living that way, man, it, it helps me spiritually, it benefits me relationally. Here's another thing, it also benefits me financially. Here's the truth, if we just handle our finances the way the Bible says to, most of the time, you're gonna avoid any big financial foupas, man. You're not gonna find yourself in giant financial problems when you just do what the Bible says. Something as simple as, uh, work hard, stay out of debt. I mean, Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So every time you take on debt, whoever you owe that debt to, they own you, man. You don't believe that? Stop paying it. Dave Ramsey, uh, he has this chart, man. This thing. I'm going to get some of these numbers wrong so if you're one of those math nerds and I don't say it right don't do sending send me text with the right math <laughs> okay but he's something goes something like this when you, if you start when you're 19 saving a hundred dollars a month in some kind of interest-bearing account and do it until you're 30 years old start when you're 19 stop when you're 30 when you're 65 you'll have 1.5 million dollars I mean, you think about that man that's a biblical thing. Yeah, Albert Einstein, probably the smartest guy i ever lived, all that stuff. Um, uh, they, somebody asked him one time, what's the most profound thing you've learned in your life? He said, compound interest. I mean, whoa. That's a biblical concept. The Bible says so much about handling our finances. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. You know, as part of this series, I think it was week uh, one or two, I can't remember, Um, we did a thing on uh, being generous, just pre-decide to be generous and give, and I challenged you to a 30-day tithe challenge. Man, and I asked you to email me and let me know what's happening. So many people emailed me, it was so encouraging. And a whole lot of them were, you know, man, I didn't know if I could do this, but I trusted God, and money came, just money came out of the blue. A lot of them said stuff like that. but what thrilled me the most was not God gave me money because I needed it. He promised he'd do that, man, so that's awesome. But so many people said it changed my heart. So many people said when I started tithing, I started getting into the Word. So many people said when I started tithing, our home got better. So many people said when I started tithing, I didn't feel financial pressure anymore because that was given to God. It just thrilled my soul, man. So, having God first, man, it benefits me spiritually. It benefits me relationally. It benefits me financially. It also benefits me personally. Having God first means we're never alone. God is guiding us through all the struggles of life, especially when we face critical moments. You know what a critical moment is? A critical moment is a moment you make a decision that has lasting impact on your life, good or bad. You face these moments, and what you do in that moment is gonna impact your life for a long time, good or bad. Have you ever thought this? Boy, if I only knew then what I know now. Have you ever thought that if I could just go back to that moment and make a different decision? Anybody ever thought that? Everybody thinks that. You know why? Because sometimes in those critical moments, we don't choose well. But when God's first and He's guiding us, personally, in those critical moments, man, we're gonna make the right choice. The truth is, in critical moments, listen now, in critical moments, Satan will make the wrong thing look right, feel right, smell right. It's what he does. Satan will absolutely try to convince you in that moment, you can do this and there'll be no price tag. Happens all the time. But when God is first, when we're walking in the Spirit, in that same moment, When God is first, instead of believing Satan's lie, the Holy Spirit kicks in. We don't believe the lie. We don't fall in the hole. We don't have to say, if I can only go back then. How we respond in critical moments matters. And it matters for a long time to us personally. So keep God first. Predeciding. To consistently live with God first gives us wisdom, safety, power, and blessing. We can't get any other way. Keep God first. Here's another thing: the power of consistency works in my life when I pre-decide to obey God when it makes no sense. When it doesn't make sense. So when I think about people in the Bible who just obeyed God when it didn't make any sense, uh, the first person always comes to my mind is Noah. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Uh, A little side note here. um, You know, the Bible says when, when Jesus comes back the earth is going to be as in the days of noah so just keep that in mind watch the calendar (laughs) you're probably going you can come back tomorrow man verse 7 and the lord said i will wipe this human i will uh, wipe this human race i have created from the face of the earth yes I will destroy every living thing all the people the large animals the small animals that scurry on the ground and even the birds of the sky I am sorry I ever made them then here's one of the biggest verses in the Bible but Noah found favor with the Lord if Noah hadn't found favor with the Lord boom it's over Noah's faith also, lands him in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11. Look what it says. This is a big deal. Hebrews 11:7. 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Rain. It had never rained. <laughs> by his faith, look at this. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world how no one else had faith his faith puts him in right relationship with God no one else on planet earth is in right relationship with God so his faith condemned everybody else by making it obvious they don't have what Noah has with God hmm and he received, look what it says, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. I mean, you think about this. And it had never rained. I, I mean, so Noah starts preaching. Get ready. It's going to rain and I'm building a boat. And he does this for 120 years. Now, remember before the flood, people lived a long time. Oh, crazy Noah there. What's he doing? He's building a boat. What, what are you building a boat for? It's going to rain. What's rain? It's when water falls out of the sky, and it's going to fall out of the sky so much that everything's going to cover up the water, but this boat right here, it's going to float on top of the water. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. Crazy Noah building a boat. Hmm. I promise you, if you live with God first, really, eventually, you're going to be asked by God to do something you don't understand. And God's going to ask you to pre-decide. Do it. The power of consistency works in my life also here. Write this down. When I decide to say no to the things that derail me. Um, (laughs) So here's this verse I put in front of you guys all the time because it's so important. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You know know what I believe? Um, I, I believe that most people know what will derail them. I mean, when you talk to somebody who's addicted to drugs and you say, do you think this, this uh, crack's really going to help you? No. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know it's destroying my I mean, it's not like people go, oh, no, I think it's great for my life. I think most people know what will derail them. Um, now, here is something spiritually deep, and a profound truth that I want to share with you to help you. So if you're listening, say amen. When you're tempted to do something that will derail your life, here it is. Ready? Don't do it. You see, we believe that God can give us the power not to do it. We believe God gives us the power that we don't have to give in to our own pride, give in to our own lust, give in to our own junk, give in to our own desires, give in to our own addictions. Jesus came to break those things. And he can keep your life consistently in relationship with him. The power of consistency works in my life when I do this too. When I pre-decide to live with integrity when it costs me. So when I think of somebody in the Bible... Um, who lived with integrity, and it cost him something. I always think of Daniel. So Daniel uh, was a young Hebrew guy, uh, went off to Babylon, grew up in Babylon, uh, and the king of Babylon kind of recognized, man, this guy has got it going on. This guy can get it done. He's sharp. Man, he is good. Whatever he touches seems to flourish. So I'm gonna, I want that guy on working for me. And so he does. And all the rest of the people working for the king, man, they get all jacked up about it, and they don't, they're jealous. and they're, So they come up with a plan to get it. But, but before they get there, I mean, look what happens. Uh, Daniel 6, verse 4. Then the other administrators and high of officers began searching for some fault, in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. Look at this. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. That's what integrity looks like. Verse 5. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds of accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So here's what they do. They tricked the king into writing this law uh, that for 30 days, you can only pray to me. Now, they knew Daniel was a faithful guy, and he wasn't going to do that. So they, they set him up, and uh, you got to do this for 30 days. And if you don't do it, the penalty is death, Daniel 6, 8. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law... So it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So there was this thing in the ancient world. If something was uh, written according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, it can't be changed. So you say, well, the king kind of, I mean, he knows they're working him, and, but he can just change it. No, when you do this and I do this according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, it can't be changed. No, even if you realize this is a stupid law. So this 30-day law is going to go into place. Verse 9, so King Darius signed the law, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So those guys go to the king. Here's what's happening. But hey, you've written this law. You know, he don't want to do it. He likes Daniel, but you've written this law. So they throw him in the lion's den. King is grieving about it. So he go, he prays. Daniel, pray to your God to shut the lion's mouth. Daniel prayed. God shut the lion's mouth. They get him out the next day. Throw those other guys in. They get devoured. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man, you decide God's going to be first, and you're going to live that way, sooner or later, it's going to cost you. It may cost you a reputation with some people because you're not, I'm just not going to do that. Uh, You're a goody to you, self righteous. Yeah, I don't really care. I'm not doing that. It might cost you in all kinds of ways. I'm just telling you, any time in my life when my integrity was going to cost me, I meditate on this verse in the Bible. Did this hundreds and hundreds of times. Still do it. Psalm 26:1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. When it feels like integrity costs you in ways you didn't expect, I'm gonna tell you something, man. When it feels like my integrity, doing the right thing is gonna cost me, you do the right thing, you hang on to it. You may say, but it's gonna cost me a job. It's gonna cost. You hang on to it. It doesn't matter what the cost is, you hang on to it, because God made you a promise. When you hang on to it, when you walk in your integrity, God says, I'm going to vindicate you. They may fire you, I'm going to take care of them, and I'm going to help you. Don't you worry about it. God's job is to vindicate. Our job is to walk in integrity. You trust the Lord. The power of consistency works in my life also when I predecide progress is the goal, not perfection. Hmm. You guys get this, right? Being consistent isn't the same as being perfect. Have you ever felt this way in Romans 7? I don't really understand myself for what I want, for I want to do what is right but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. (laughs) Anybody ever been there? Man, I I know what I should do, and I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to do that. Well, I know the sinful thing in me wants to do that, and the sinful thing in me wants to do that, then I shouldn't do that, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I know what's right, and honestly, man, God, before you, I wanna do what's right, but I don't. Anybody ever been there? Isn't it encouraging that the apostle Paul felt that way too? Isn't it encouraging? if you've got a sin nature, every one of us does, you're going to have that battle. By the way, a little side lesson here. Um, I love Paul's transparency. You know why? Our transparency always helps and encourages the people around us. Every time. Satan's lie says... Uh, if they know this about you, they'll reject you and resent you. God's truth is, transparency encourages and endears us to the people around us. I mean, here's what we think. So many people live their lives this way. I'm going to build this wall in front of me And on this side of the wall, I'm going to paint the picture of what I want everybody to see about me. See? See how good I am? See me? See? I'm good, right? I mean, don't don't y'all like this person? See this? But when we do that, we live in fear that somebody's going to get behind the wall. And the truth is, the wall's going to collapse anyway someday because it takes enormous emotional energy to hold up the wall. To try to Act like you're something that you're really not because eventually something's going to get over the wall this way. Oh, look at that. Being transparent says, I get rid of the wall. See, here's who I am. God made me this way. I have struggles and I have fears and I have doubts, but I also have faith and blessing The definition of being a hypocrite is acting like you're something that you're not. The wall. You know what that is? That's being a hypocrite. See? See what I am? See how good I am? By definition, showing people something that you're not, trying to get people to think that something you're not is being a hypocrite, and it's living with secrecy, not Transparency. That doesn't help anybody. And it puts you in an emotional prison. Living in fear, somebody's going to find out who you really are. But if you just show them who you really are to begin with, you know what will happen? They'll go, yeah, me too. Man, thank you for being transparent. Maybe we can help each other. Such a big deal, man. That's why I believe Paul said what he said in Romans 7. I don't do the thing that I want to do. Sometimes I do the very thing I hate. I know, man, I know this thing in me is bad. I know I shouldn't do that, but sometimes I do it anyway. He's being transparent. And you know how he ends that whole thing up? Here's Here's what he says. Who can deliver me from this body of sin and death? Praise be to God. The Lord Jesus Christ delivers me. Then, I get to live with transparency. I get to say, hey, you know what? See the real me? Man, I blow it sometimes, sometimes I—man, but let me tell you something. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and He can help you too. That's what God wants. That's an authentic Christian life. Live it. Don't try to be something you're not. Mm. Now, I forgot what I was talking about. All right, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so progress is the goal, not perfection. We're never going to be perfect till we get to heaven. That's why Paul said this in Philippians chapter three. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet. That's what heaven's about. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and achieve the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You know what Paul's saying? Progress is the goal, not perfection. Perfection is when we get to heaven. And between now and then, we stay in the race. Man, we rely on the Spirit. We get in the Word. We do all of those things. You know why? Because when we do them consistently, you you know what happens? When we just live live that way, 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 live that way. One day we look back and go, wow, look what God's done. This happens to me a lot since our church has grown. You know, people will say, well, how did that happen in, in a rural county, small town? You know, there's a whole lot of churches way bigger than us. I mean, we're kind of a medium-sized church when you compare us to everything else in the world, but what makes us a little bit unique is we're in a small town, rural county. So people say, well, how'd that happen? And when I tell them, it's like they don't believe me. When I just say, well, here's what happened. We did the work in the ministry, did the work of the ministry, did the work of the ministry, did the work of the ministry, plowed the field, plowed the field, plowed the field, plowed the field, plowed the field. And you stop and look back and go, wow, look what God did in 31 years. They don't believe me. And when I say, no, really, we, we never had this explosive growth. We just grew 100 people a year for 31 years. That's the power of consistency. And that's not only true for this church. That's true for your life. There's power in consistency. Here's the great thing about it, too. You you don't have to start 31 years ago. You can start right now. And whatever time you have left to live out a consistent life that honors God, between the moment you start and the moment you go to heaven, you're going to go, that's amazing. One more thing. The power of consistency works in my life when I predecide to never give up. This is a big deal, man. You ever feel like giving up? Have you felt like giving up today? Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I love this verse, Proverbs twenty four sixteen. The godly may trip seven times, but they'll get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. I mean, you get what that means, right? I mean, when you're walking with God, when you're trying to live a righteous life, when you're depending on the righteousness of God in your life to live, here's what happens. You're going to fall. You're going to say, man, God, I'm trying to... But you don't. Okay, God, I believe you, and you're going to teach me stuff in this hole. I'm going to get out of this hole, and I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again. Because somebody who's living in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, they understand I can do this in the strength of God, and if God called me to this, he's going to provide everything I need to get this done. And you can get him, getting a hold, man. I feel like giving up, but you don't. The people who don't know God, all it takes is one thing. And they're done. I'm done. I'm done. In fact, that's something you hear people say a lot now. I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm done with you. But God says when we're living in his righteousness, we're never done. We just keep on going. And then one day, there's going to be an incredible blessing waiting on us. But it's real easy to want to give up. But when you don't, when you consistently live out the righteousness of God, you'll be amazed at what'll happen. Did you know Abraham Lincoln lost more elections than he won? Did you know Henry Ford had, fa- had five failed auto businesses before he started the Ford Motor Company? Walt Disney was told he lacked imagination and creativity. <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Everybody feels like giving up sometimes. But when you consistently rely on the power of God and don't, you'll be amazed what happened. In the late 1930s and early 1940s, A guy named Adolf Hitler got the idea he wanted to control the world. He started invading smaller, unequipped countries around him. And before long, he had taken over all of Europe. And the only country to still stand was England. And part of the reason was they were an island. And there was an English channel between them and the Nazi Blitzkrieg. But then came the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force. And And they bombed 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 and they bombed. And at the height of it, their leader, Winston Churchill, became a rock. The Battle of Britain, most of London was underground in subway tunnels and bomb shelters and the city was just being destroyed. And if they didn't win, Nazi Germany takes England and who knows, what history would have been very different. And in the middle of all that, Winston Churchill went to speak to a boys' school. Now, Winston Churchill, as you know, was probably the most uh, man, engaging orator of the 20th century. I mean, he was incredible. I guess people expect him to be very eloquent and very inspiring. And when he gave it, stood up to give the speech, the only thing he said to these young men who would soon be defending their country Here's what he said Don't give up. Never, never, never give up. And then he sat down. You know the rest of the story. Might feel like you're in a war right now, might feel like to you that. You've done everything you know to do, and God feels distant. Maybe that's true in your marriage. Maybe that's true in your finances. Maybe that's true in your walk with God. Maybe that's true in your job. And some of you, the only reason you came here today is because you needed me to say to you, never give up. God's not done. Father, thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you are a God who desperately wants us to be in right relationship with you. God, you want us to pre-decide, to do the things in life that will make us beneficiaries of your guidance and your blessing and your help. But God, you'll let us wander off, fall in a hole. But you're always right there, God, to get us out. So Lord, I pray right now, please, God, for anybody here right now who's about to quit Would you help them, Lord? And God, for all of us, in all these areas of our lives that we've talked about the last six weeks, would you give us the faith and the courage and the strength and the wisdom to pre-decide that you're going to be first in our life no matter what? And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. All right, let's stand and sing.